Hello and welcome to the Bulletin and Beyond. I'm Kira Gillespie. I'm joined by Ben Sylvester this week. We're going to walk you through a few highlights of the week in news. Now, first of all, to start the week, we had the Corangamite Shire Council election where the current mayor was re-elected um, into the mayor spot and a new deputy was elected. So Councillor Ruth Castrain and Councillor Geraldine Kennedy were elected into those positions. Um, it was a very seamless, very quick election, unlike um, the one that you saw yeah, not like through Boyne Shire. <laughs> um, it looked like they'd worked out who they wanted to vote for before the meeting, which um, yeah went for about 60 seconds, I think. Um, and I spoke to those two today about their visions for the next 12 months um, in their one-year term. And Councillor Gastrain said that things on council have changed since she was first elected in 2002. She's been on for 19 years um, and said that there used to be a 10, uh, 10 councillors, um, each two, two in each ward, and it used to be very ward-focused, and now there's kind of more of a shire focus. Um, she really wants to look towards um, roads and infrastructure in the post pandemic world. Um, so things like the Port Campbell streetscape, which finally got that federal funding they've been yeah. waiting for, um, and uh, roads that are used by a lot of the um, dairy supply chain and um, with Kerangamite being such a big agricultural area. So they were saying it was, you know, if they'd had a crystal ball, it would have been great to get that works done, particularly around Port Campbell and the Twelve Apostles while there were no tourists. Um, but it looks like that work will begin after Easter in those quieter winter months um, so that traders don't have to be too impacted around that sort of tourism mm -hmm. region. Um, and Councillor Geraldine Kennedy, she was first elected to council in the middle of 2020. There was a by-election and she won that one and then was re-elected at the end of 2020 with the new council. Um, so she's a, a newcomer, I suppose, um, compared to Ruth. Um, and she has a long history in dairy. Um, she's a dairy and, and beef farm with her family in Nurat. And so she was talking a lot about um, staffing issues around agriculture without the migrant workers and also backpackers who were so integral to a lot of farming work, particularly being seasonal work. Um, that, that's going to be something in the next you know, 12 months that's going to really flare up as an issue. So um, yeah, she said that once the borders can open and we can get those workers back in, it'll be a massive um, help for farmers in the region. So yeah, there's lots of exciting things happening around yeah. Karangamite and being such a big ag region, um, pretty much through COVID they were, that, that continued, there wasn't a lot of um, disruption to that and it really um, kept the economy going. So it really did show how important that yeah. um, industry is for that region. Yeah. Um, and you've been looking at the at dairy workers as well? Yeah, just um, in the last couple of days, the uh, the workers at the Cobden-Fonterra uh, processing plant and also at Allensford, the Saputo plant, they've been um, locked in negotiations with, with management about uh, pay rises and uh, you know various conditions for their bargaining agreement. Um, the understanding is that Fonterra have pretty much struck an agreement. I think there's a sort of in principle agreement there that just needs to be signed off on. Um, the workers apparently were 
quite unhappy with how things were going and the way that Fonterra was negotiating for a while there. But then um, earlier in the week, I think on Wednesday, the company came to the table with a totally different attitude. And um, basically, the union says that the workers got everything they wanted. So okay, good. that's a good result for them. Yeah. Um, Saputo is a little way off um, being on the same page. Uh, Monday is the last day to strike a deal. There's a meeting on Monday where basically there's one last chance to um, get agreement, but they're still a little way away. Um, the complexity around Saputo, which is a, a bit bigger in its operations here um, than the Fonterra plant, is that there are a number of different companies that it's sort of swallowed up um, mm. along the journey um, in at different times. And basically the different workers from those companies are now all working for Saputo, but they all have old agreements that determine their rates of pay and conditions. And so you'll have two workers doing the same job that are getting paid different amounts. Mm. Um, I understand that this can be anywhere as large as $10 an hour difference, which I guess pretty big difference. And the workers are not happy with this. Mm. Um, and whereas the company, I guess, is happy to level out the pay rates, they probably don't want to level it out at the top pay rate, yes. whereas the, the workers do. So I think that's one of the sticking points there. Um, and the union rep said, basically, if everything doesn't go to plan on Monday and they don't get what they're asking for, then um, Wednesday morning they'll be on strike. Okay. So that'll be a lot of people on strike. Mm. I think um, there are about 800 workers at, at Allensford. I don't know how many of them are the manufacturing workers, but um, yeah, I think that would be... Um, pretty big strike if it went ahead. Mm, yep, um, so Monday they're expecting to hear the result. M Monday they'll have the meeting, yep. Yeah, great. So we will see on that one. On Wednesday night, the ARIA Awards were held, which saw one of our Southwest artists recognised uh, for a top gong. Archie Roach was uh, given the best blues and roots album for the songs of Charcoal Lane. That was recorded at his kitchen table in Kalani here in the Southwest. Um, and it reimagines um, and reinterprets a lot of the songs that he recorded in his debut album, Charcoal Lane. I spoke with Archie this week about the win. He said he was surprised to even be nominated, let alone actually winning an aria. So he was absolutely chuffed. Um, it's a pretty powerful album and Charcoal Lane was kind of one of the first um, introductions of Australia to, I suppose, what happened during the Stolen Generations in a way that could be accessed through music. So songs like Took the Children Away um, really um, spoke about what happened at places like Framlingham Mission. Um, and I spoke to Archie about where is Charcoal Lane and what does it mean to you? Um, and it has quite an interesting history. It was um, a place in Collingwood that um, he used to go with friends. It was sort of a place where um, Aboriginal men could could be together um, in a way that wasn't sort of judged. And he said it was right near a coal bagging factory, which, you know, uh, the name Charcoal okay. Lane comes from. Um, and he tells his story about his partner, Ruby Hunter, 
um, at the time who was insistent on going to see him and Charcoal Lane used to be just for the men. It was sort of a male-only space and she just said, I want to see Archie and I'm going down there. Um, and she did and then it became sort of a place for everyone and, yeah, it was just kind of a really beautiful beginning, I suppose, to the long career um, that he has enjoyed and the incredible activism that he's done through his music. So well done to Archie Roach for that. Um, there's been a little bit of funding happening in the area, especially yeah. around and some changes around schools. Ben, what's been going on? So, yeah, a couple of Catholic schools with uh, big news this week. Um, a smaller um, primary school, St Pius the Tenth. Um, in West Warrnambool, um, it got a whole lot of funding. I think it was a, a million dollars of funding uh, from the state government, oh, the federal government, sorry, uh, to basically remodel its years three and four section, its middle pod, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's over a decade since they last had any capital works go on at the school. So it's been a while between drinks, so they were really happy um, to get some money. Last time they got some funding was from the, I think, Gillard Labor government, perhaps. Oh, okay. Um, way back in the day, which allowed them to do their prep to two and year five and six areas. So now finally the three and four areas getting a revamp, which I think that hadn't been changed since the building was built back in the 60s. So yeah. um, that'll be good for them. Um, Emmanuel College, um, probably the biggest private uh, school in uh, Warrnambool, announced that it's going to consolidate its two campuses into one. Um, the, the campus at Canterbury Road will be shutting, I think, from 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything will be based at the... Um, the Botanic Road site for them. Uh, the, the principal, Peter Morgan, said that basically it was time to, to get all on the one side and it'll sort of help students feel like they're one school yeah. pretty much. Um, yeah, so I think that, that makes sense, I guess, to, yeah. to have everyone in the one place. So, yeah, that's big news for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just rounding out with a bit of a COVID update, Um, There was a country music event held in Hamilton on November 14 that has now yielded 32 COVID-19 cases that are linked to that event. Um, It was a fully vaccinated event. I've spoken with the organisers of that one and they said everyone in there was checked um, for their double vaccination and yet there were still um, these infections linked and also three people were in hospital. So as of today, so Friday the 26th of November, um, all people that were hospitalised have now um, been discharged and they're being monitored at home. Um, It looks like there have been 1,600 tests carried out since the news of the um, spread of the virus from that event and that's something that Rowan Fitzgerald, who is the Western District Health CEO, said it's been really positive to see and he really encourages everybody to keep an eye on their symptoms and if it looks like they've been to any of the sites that have been listed online, just go and get a test. Um, He does encourage people to get that standard PCR test, not the rapid antigen test, just because it is, you know, it's um, more accurate um, and, yeah, it will sort of help reduce the spread 
if they're, you know, if they have contracted the virus. So among the infections is a worker at Western District Health Service, which is, yeah, a bit of a concern. Um, there was also um, an exposure at the Birch's Aged Care Centre, but it looks like all tests from there have been um, negative. So that's really good to see. And also on Friday, there was a new infection announced in Kerengamite Shire. So that one's being investigated by the hub. <coughs> That one's being investigated by the Public Health Unit. So it means there's now one active case in Warrnambool, three in Kerangamite Shire, and three in the Glenelg Shire. Um, and then there's these other those other infections in the Southern Grampian Shire. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really good reminder to continue to be vigilant about COVID-19 symptoms. Being vaccinated doesn't stop you from contracting it and also spreading it. Um, it does stop you from being seriously ill and therefore hospitalised. Um, but yeah, it's still a reminder to stay wary. We're not completely out of the woods yet. Now I'm joined by our sports reporter, Nick Ansell. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Kira. What's yeah. been happening in sport? Oh, it's been a busy week. It's gone from like zero to 150, you know, out of nowhere, basically coming <laughs> out of lockdowns and things like that. So I guess the big one for us this week was the AFL draft that, that happened. Um, unfortunately, we, we weren't sort of, n- none of the prospects from around here were picked up, which is a bit disappointing, really, because we thought there was, you know, a chance maybe in the speculative picks a little bit later on that, that one or two might go. But um, unfortunately, yeah, no luck, which is which is a bit disappointing. But um, it's the way it goes. You sort of, you just never know with these sorts of things. So yeah, disappointing for, for those boys that are putting a lot of, a lot of effort into that. Um, but hopefully, you know, there's plenty of opportunities and pathways now for them to go on and, you know, get picked up by an AFL club. So fingers crossed down the track, they can, um, they can, yeah, taste some success. It's usually quite a long night, isn't it? Waiting for the drafts to be announced. And that's the thing. It's, it's crazy. It's, uh, I think it's one of the things the AFL probably does a little bit deliberately to try and, uh, create drama, I suppose. That's one of the things that, uh, they're renowned to to do. So Yeah, it's a it's a long night. Um, particularly if you're one of those guys, I think sitting there waiting to hear your name called out, it would be absolutely agonising, I'd imagine. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, hopefully down the track, a lot of them are early in their career. There's still time, but um, mm. yeah, it's usually such an exciting night when you get a local pick. So um, it is. yeah, hopefully next season. Absolutely, and that's the thing. Like we were lucky enough to interview GWS Giants coach Leon Cameron, who's from Warrnambool today. He came into the office before. Which was um, it was fantastic to catch up with him, and and he was sort of summarising the Giants draft night. He was able to watch that from his accommodation in Port Ferry, Oldie. So yep. um, after hours of marketing work that Oldie you know puts him <laughs> through, photos and you know all yep. that sort of stuff. Um, he was watching it from there and he was sort of saying, you know, the same thing, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, there's 800 people that nominate for this and only mm. 60 or 70 get picked up, which is. You know, it's it's pretty difficult, really. It's yeah. still, there's a lot of, for every great story there is, there's a lot that miss out as well. So Yeah, as, and you'd be that much, close, you know, right? Yeah. Exactly, right. yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sport, reporting on sport during a pandemic has been quite tough for you guys, mm. but you have reintroduced Cow Corner. Yeah, this yeah, it's week. back. Is that right? Yeah. It's back, yeah. I think we've all become pretty good at sort of writing about you know, not, not nothing, but nothing <laughs> without, you know, live things happening. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Cow Corner's back this week, which is great. So it was really nice to catch up with uh, Alex Strosh and Alison Templeton, our two sort of expert panellists, um, last night to, to record that. And after 
hours and hours of editing yesterday. Um, I'm a little bit out of practice. I think, um, yeah, we got that together. So that's that's launched. We've just put an email for that. So it's worth a look um, if you if you haven't already. And that's free for everybody as well. So you don't need to be a subscriber to check that one out. Um, so yeah, absolutely well worth a look. And, you know, hopefully we can delve into some, um, you know, some interesting sort of hard hitting topics and yeah, mm. talk about some of the things that, that, that are they're really setting the agenda in the um in the community. Yeah, great. Um, and Naranda has had some success. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, well, they're certainly up and about this week. Um, Brody Couch, who is a Naranda export, he sort of grew up around that area, um, was able to break through for his Sheffield Shield debut last it was meant to be last Friday, but it was Saturday and that game went for four days. Um, so that's really, really exciting. I mean, it's so difficult to reach that level in cricket given the limited amount of spots that there are and everything like that. So he's a he's now a Victorian cricketer and there aren't too many people, you know, over the course of history that can sort of put their name to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one, one step below international level cricket, which is just unbelievable, really. You think there's 11 spots on a team. Um, you know, realistically now, he's he's considered to be one of the best bowlers in the country, which is just, you know, just amazing. And Brody, you know, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, you know, yeah. always picks up the phone, always happy to have a chat to us and, you know, talk about what he's doing and, and, and really give people an update of, you know, how, how he's tracking. So, um, yeah, absolutely wrapped to see him enjoy a bit of success. And he grabbed a couple of wickets and um, the real positive as well for his family, his mum, Karen, and his brother, Jackson, um, we're able to get up to Sydney to watch him make his debut with borders open oh, and everything like good. that. So yeah. they're able to see him sort of bowl, you know, his first wicket, get his first couple of overs and all of that sort of thing. And I had a chat to Jackson just about the journey of watching his brother sort of reach that level yesterday. And, and um, yeah, just couldn't have happened to nicer people. So, yeah, yeah. really, really glad to see it. Yeah, great. Um, and sport this weekend, is there a bit on? There is there's a lot on this week. We sort of, there's yeah, your regular summer stuff, so you've got cricket, bowls, all, all, all the rest of it. But um, Country Basketball League is back as well. And that sort of involves, there's quite a bit of interest in that as a comp. You know, it's quite a regional sort of thing. There's teams from, so Warnable Seahawks and Mermaids will have teams in the male and female comp. Um, Train Tornadoes, same sort of deal. And also there's a couple of teams from Portland that'll play. So that's an excellent sort of tune up for the big V competition as that comes back around next winter. So it's, oh, yeah, it's busy. It's really, really yeah. busy. I'm sort of glad I've got the weekend off actually to oh, recharge the battery. So <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It'll, um, it'll be nice, but um, yeah, looking forward to it. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to have things back. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think certainly just as well for the, you know, what Warnable is like as a, as a, as a community, it's so sport orientated the way mm. things way things work so i think everyone is um is really happy to just have things back and and, and firing again so yeah, yeah. great mm. well thank you so much nick for joining us mm. and to everyone who's listening thanks for listening to the bulletin and beyond we'll be back next week mm.